There are four states of consciousness. There's wakefulness, there is sleep, there is dreaming, and then there is the transcendental moment. Most people spend the majority of their lives living in the first three realms of consciousness. And the last state of consciousness, the lucid transcendental moments, seem to be rare occasions that sneak up on us, where we're more awake in a dream than we are in the three-dimensional reality we live in. Are these rare moments reserved for coincidence when we pierce through the veil of our own conditioning to get a greater glimpse of the world we live in? Some people spend the majority of their lives trying to replicate that experience. Once you understand that you come preloaded with all the biological and neurological machinery to induce that state, then you can comprehend that there's a bridge between space-time and time-space that you can access through the activation of your own pineal gland. It's my hope that you'll be inspired to create that transcendental state without any use of any drug or exogenous substance. I'm your host, Dr. Joe Dispenza, and in the previous episode, we discussed how the pineal gland, with its tiny microcrystals, can become electrically activated. We also explored the role of the pineal gland in its piezoelectric properties. When there's a mechanical stress applied through a specific breath that you've learned, the body begins to function as a magnet, producing an external electromagnetic field. In a sense, we are liberating energy from the body that you can now use to create with. In this episode, I want to continue your understanding of how those tiny microcrystals that become electrically activated can begin to oscillate and pick up frequencies that are beyond the senses. This is when the pineal gland becomes like a radio receiver, capable of transducing those frequencies that carry vital information into meaningful imagery. Let's get started by briefly reviewing some of the things we've learned in the previous episode. So in the article that we talked about in the last episode, I asked you to remember two specific words, piezoelectric and transducer. Now, we've discussed piezoelectric in detail. The breath that we use to move that cerebral spinal fluid up to the brain, the slow, steady inhalation through the nose, and the contraction of the bandhas, the individual intrinsic muscles coordinated with the breath, locking down those centers and drawing that energy all the way up to your pineal gland and keeping your attention on it and holding your breath increases what's called intrathecal pressure. And intrathecal pressure is the pressure inside that closed system. When you begin to contract those intrinsic muscles, that begins to apply a mechanical stress against those stacked rhombohedron crystals. And once there's a mechanical stress, now they become electrically activated. And the sympathetic nervous system switches on, and that energy is released up into the brain, and that gate opens up. Now we have energy moving to the top of the head. Now we have a positive charge on the top of the head and a negative charge, and as that energy moves, we begin to produce that external electromagnetic field, a torus field. The other word that I wanted you to pay attention to was transducer. A transducer 
is a device that converts variations in physical quantity, such as pressure, like we talked about, into an electrical signal or vice versa. It is anything that receives a signal in the form of one type of energy and converts it to a signal of another form. For example, your TV antenna picks up frequencies and transduces it into imagery, and that's exactly what the pineal gland does. Take a look at this chart of the electromagnetic spectrum. You can see very slow waves with very long wavelengths, and you can see on the other end very high frequencies called cosmic rays. And as we said, when your eyes are picking up light, the wavelength of that light begins to activate serotonin and melatonin, and now we function in three-dimensional reality. Imagine in a meditation, your eyes are closed, melatonin levels are elevated because your eye is no longer perceiving light, there's an activation of the pineal gland, once those crystals become electrically activated, now they function like a radio receiver and they can pick up frequencies that are no longer consistent with visible light. Anything that's material that travels to the speed of light will turn into energy. Then the quantum field exists beyond the speed of light. Now, why is that important? Because once the pineal gland is activated and now it functions like a radio receiver, what is the physics that combines the frequency that we're tapping into with our biology in our brain? The purpose of meditation is to get beyond the analytical mind. And as you learned in previous episodes, what separates the conscious mind from the subconscious mind is the analytical mind. And we could say then, the memory bank of the known self, the seat of our identity, our connection to our known three-dimensional reality is the neocortex. As you begin to slow your brain waves down in meditation from beta to alpha and slowing down even further into theta, you begin to suppress thinking in the neocortex. And as you're no longer analyzing and you're no longer thinking, brain waves begin to slow down and consciousness literally moves out of the neocortex and begins to move right into that limbic brain. Now a person is conscious in their subconscious mind. And now the door between the conscious mind and subconscious mind is open. And now they're ready to access information. In other words, if your analytical thinking mind is functioning in high beta, you're separated from the operating system where you can begin to connect to the quantum field. So by practicing slowing your brain waves down and suppressing the neocortex, now you can use your radio receiver to begin to tune into frequencies that exist beyond your senses. Now take a look at this image of a neuron. A neuron receives input through its dendrites it processes all of the information coming from all of those branches and integrates that information, processes that information, and then sends the information out in an output mechanism. Now, I want to talk about the transduction mechanism in the brain. Now, once the pineal gland becomes electrically activated, once those microcrystals begin to shimmer and oscillate, 
they can tune into frequencies that exist beyond your senses. And now, information in the form of frequency can be received as input into the pineal gland. The pineal gland begins to process it in the thalamus and in the hypothalamus, and the hypothalamus then begins to send signals to the pituitary gland, and the pituitary gland begins to become the output mechanism and begins to release very vital neuropeptides. Remember, the quantum field is an invisible field of frequency that unifies and connects everything material. And its signature, as you get closer and closer to that very source energy, are greater and greater degrees of order, of harmony, of wholeness, of oneness. So when the pineal gland and the brain is functioning in a very coherent manner, it can now pick up a signal and the orderliness begins to produce a very orderly chemical expression that begins to influence every one of the hormonal centers or energy centers of the body. At the very exact same time, the back part of the pituitary, called the posterior pituitary, begins to release different chemicals in the output mechanism. And one of those chemicals is called oxytocin. Now, oxytocin is produced in the brain and in the heart. And once oxytocin levels are released, oxytocin seeps right into the amygdala, the survival center of the brain. And it shuts the lights out for fear, for pain, and for aggression or anger. And there's only a group of circuits left called love and joy. And all of a sudden then, oxytocin signals a chemical called nitric oxide. Nitric oxide signals another chemical called endothelial-derived relaxing factor. And that chemical causes the arteries in the heart and the lungs to literally dilate. And now we have more energy and more blood flow going right into the heart. And this center begins to awaken and the person starts to feel an incredible gratitude for being alive. Now the emotional signature of gratitude, when you are receiving something or something that's just happened to you that you find pleasurable, you say thank you. So the emotional signature of gratitude means something's happening to you or something has happened to you and you're in the ultimate state of receiving. Now that we're in the state of receiving, something amazing happens. All of a sudden now there's processing that goes back from the pineal gland right back to the pituitary, which then affects the thyroid, affects the heart and the thalamus, and all the way down the energy centers. And there's a cascade of chemistry that's created. Let's remember what happens when we do the breath. As you begin to move that energy up from those lower centers, once energy makes it to the fourth center, the energy will continue up into the brain. As it moves up and activates the pineal gland, and the pineal gland begins to signal the pituitary, now all of a sudden it begins to release its neuropeptides and neurohormones, we now know that there's an external electromagnetic field. Now, when the person starts to feel gratitude, they're in the perfect state of receiving, and now there's a reverse field that's coming in through the top of the head that begins to draw energy from the field right into the brain, and that frequency is carrying information. And this, then, is when the pineal gland causes melatonin to get an upgrade.
This article that I found shows that melatonin has many derivatives, or what we call metabolites or sister molecules. Serotonin and melatonin are dependent through our senses on the frequency and the wavelength of visible light. You close your eyes now, and all of a sudden, you're no longer processing visible light. Melatonin levels start to go up, and the pineal gland begins to receive the input and begin to activate the pituitary to create more coordination or more neuropeptides that create more harmony in the hormonal centers. And the posterior pituitary begins to release oxytocin, and the person feels grateful to be alive. The one field that's going out, all of a sudden that second field reverses, and that frequency now is going to cause melatonin to get an upgrade. In other words, melatonin now is going to transmute or change into some very powerful molecules. And in this article, it's very specific that melatonin is already an antioxidant. But now melatonin gets a very big upgrade, and now it produces two of the most powerful antioxidants known to man. Now, what's the significance of that? Antioxidants are anti-cancer, anti-aging, anti-stroke, anti-neurodegenerative, anti-inflammatory, antimicrobial. Melatonin already causes us to relax, but now it's going to begin to produce what's called the benzodiazepine. These chemicals fit into the same receptors as serotonin and melatonin, but they carry a very different message. The release of these benzodiazepines is literally going to sedate further the neocortex and shut down the survival centers in the brain. There's a suppression of overthinking, of overanalyzing, of thinking about the future or the past. The body relaxes into the present moment. Take that molecule and tweak it again, and you have the most powerful hallucinogenic known to man, dimethyltryptamine. And now, the person is going to have profound, lucid inner vision. In other words, melatonin already causes us to sleep. But when it becomes a transducer, that frequency then is transduced into profound imagery, the same way a TV antenna takes frequency and turns it into a picture. And the pineal gland has been called the third eye because we're having a profound inner vision that is more real than the world we live in. And we can say then, the person is having a full-on sensory experience without their senses. And the second chemical made from the posterior pituitary is called vasopressin, antidiuretic hormone. And when vasopressin levels are elevated, the cells of the body now can store more water. And now the cells are prepared for a greater frequency. And all of the cells now begin to oscillate and produce more coherent light and information. And we could say in one moment, the person's getting a biological upgrade. Information from the field is literally changing the human operating system. I want to talk about frequency because most people think that frequencies are just waves. But I want you to think about frequency another way. Now, when the pineal gland becomes electrically activated, many times we start to see these fractal patterns. With our eyes open, with our eyes closed, we start to see these complex geometric patterns. 
And the more orderly those patterns are, the more coherent the energy is, it is those standing waves of energy that the coherent brain and the coherent heart will begin to transduce just like a barcode. A laser reads the barcode and it interprets the information. Pineal gland decodes that information into profound pictures and imagery. Here's my greatest definition of the pineal gland. The pineal gland, when fully activated, is a crystalline superconductor that receives information through the transduction of energetic vibrational signals, that's frequencies beyond the senses, the quantum field, into biological tissue, the brain and the mind, in the form of meaningful imagery, the same way as an antenna translates different channels onto a TV screen. And when the pineal gland is activated, now we have information that's being downloaded into our nervous system that's transcendent of our senses. Now, what's the side effect of that? Here comes the profound mystical moment. You now may have the experience of moving from space-time to time-space where all of those dimensions exist. Now you may have the experience of coming out of your body, traveling down a long tunnel of light, your body being filled with energy that you are now perceiving. You may experience a past, present, or a future life that's all happening in the eternal now. I want to show you just a few brain scans to unify all this information. This is normal brain activity, and the person is in low beta brainwave patterns. Now they go into a meditation, we start to see the energy in the brain begin to escalate. That person is transitioning from high beta and they're starting to move into very coherent gamma. By the same means, this person is having a full-on sensory experience without their senses. This person, second generation Holocaust survivor, suffering from anxiety and depression, a psychotherapist, did everything he could to change his state. In one moment, this person has a transcendental experience that's transcendent of this three-dimensional reality, and in an instant, his depression and his anxiety changes and goes away. Now, when we have two waves that are coherent, that are oscillating in order or coherence, they summate and produce a higher wave. Now, what's the significance of that? The higher the wave, the higher the amplitude, the higher the energy in the brain, which means the more coherent the brain becomes, the higher the energy will exist in the brain. Take a look at this person at an event. We do a normal baseline measurement of her brain, and then we start noticing a few minutes into her measurements in real time, you can see the energy in the brain start to pick up, and from that point on, it just gets getting bigger and bigger, and you can see right here, the person is transitioning from beta into gamma brainwave patterns. There'll come a moment where you see it go very, very high, and this is the moment now the pineal gland is connecting to the field, and that person is having a very profound inner event. We measure coherence when it's low coherence, we measure it as blue, like it's cold or it's cool. Normal coherence means it's pink, there's no blue or there's no red. When there's high coherence or high order in the brain, we measure it as red. The thicker the red lines, the further outside of normal it is.
This is her scan. If you look at the second to the bottom line, and we read from left to right, you can see this person moving into very high coherence in the brain. Take a look at the top right-hand corner. This particular program does not read gamma, but you can tell that the person's in high beta and they're on their way to gamma. Now, when we measure from the spectral analysis the amount of gamma that's taking place in her brain, this person is 200 standard deviations outside of normal in gamma brainwave patterns. Now, let's talk about standard deviations. This is what's called a z-score or a z-curve. Now, in a group of 100 people or 1,000 people or 10,000 people or 50 people, we were to measure height or weight or hearing or vision or intelligence. No matter what we measured, we would see this standard bell curve. Now, if you look where the blue is, and you draw a line right down the middle of that bell, that's absolute normal. And if you break this bell curve up into three sections, 34% a little bit above normal, 34% a little bit below normal, we'll still call that normal, and it makes up the majority of the surface area of that bell curve. 68% of the people we call average or normal. If you look at the red, you see 13% on both sides and the curve dips down a little bit more. Now you have somebody with a little better eyesight or with a little worse eyesight. And then if you look at the very extremity, the third standard deviation, you'll see some people with really great eyesight and really poor eyesight. Now if you total up the complete number, 99.7% of the population falls three standard deviations above normal or three standard deviations below normal. Now, we said this person had 200 standard deviations outside of normal in gamma. Now, this is a measurement of height. You could see the person on the right is the tallest person, the person on the left is the shortest person, but the average is the center of that curve. That's 99.7% of the population. This is the standard normal bell curve. This is five standard deviations. This is 50 standard deviations. This is 100 standard deviations. This is 150 standard deviations. This is 200 standard deviations outside of normal. In other words, another 197 of those blocks, and the line just gets closer and closer together. I would call that a supernatural amount of energy in the brain. Take a look at the area of the brain that's most activated. That red area represents the area right around the pineal gland and an area called Brodmann's Area 30. Now, Brodmann's Area 30 is responsible for highly charged experiences or emotional events that produce the emotions of joy, of love, of bliss, and of ecstasy. And this person is having a transcendental experience. There's the neocortex in blue. That means lights are out in the thinking brain. And now the autonomic nervous system in red there is the area that's lit up the most. That is the area that's processing a greater frequency. And now this is the underside of the brain. You're looking at the brain from the bottom, and you can see that the autonomic nervous system is very, very high in a gamma state. Now, this person is a physician, and she had 
eczema from the time she was three months old. And as a physician, she did all the right things. She applied the cortisone creams, she took the antihistamines, she monitored her diet, she didn't eat sugar, she stayed away from starches, she stayed away from alcohol. You know, she was treating the condition, and of course, she was able to keep it controlled, but it never went away. This is her arm before she came to the event. On the Monday after the event, this is her arm. Her body received a new frequency. And if all disease is a lowering of frequency and an incoherent frequency, once that orderly message made it into the nervous system, she got a biological upgrade. Here's her hand with eczema before the event. This is her hand the Monday after the event. I just saw this woman almost two years later, and she still has no evidence or no sign of eczema. Take a look at this person, baseline measurement, and all of a sudden you can see the frequency picking up. But look how organized and coherent that frequency is. This person taps out at 260 standard deviations outside of normal. That's a lot of energy in the brain. Check it out. The same exact area, the pineal gland, the surrounding area of the pineal gland, and Brodmann's area 30. This person is in ecstasy. This person is creating a long-term memory. They're having a full-on sensory experience without their senses, and they can't make their brain do that. It's happening to them. Here's another person. Here's the strip chart. We're measuring normal brain waves. Watch what happens. As they begin to connect to that field and they suppress the neocortex, you can see a building of energy that takes place in the brain. And this person finishes at 160 standard deviations outside of normal and take a look at all the coherence in his brain. And when the brain is coherent, we're coherent. Now, another person, you can see that there's beta brainwave patterns, and all of a sudden, like in a matter of seconds, it seems like the brain starts to build in energy. And as it starts to synchronize, it starts to accelerate. This person finishes at 250 standard deviations outside of normal and gamma. Every single area of the brain is synchronized. We're seeing now coherence in delta, in theta, in alpha, in beta, in high beta, and there's enormous amount of energy in the brain. And the whole entire neocortex, as well as the pineal gland, the surrounding areas, is fully activated. Check this out now. What we started to notice is that when people begin to do this properly, the first thing that happens is we start seeing theta as a precursor before the person goes into an aroused state. In other words, they have to settle their body down and begin to move in such a slow brainwave pattern that now they're suppressing the thinking neocortex and in low level theta lights her out in the identity. The known self is now shut off. Once they're in that slow brainwave state, it's as if theta acts as a carrier wave. The parasympathetic nervous system is activated, the person is relaxed, and now when they lock into a frequency, the arousal takes place. Coherent theta becomes the carrier for gamma. And check this out. Person is opening their awareness and connecting to the field of energy and information, and now we're seeing 10 standard deviations outside of normal in theta. And whenever we see this in a brain scan, we know what's gonna happen next. The person is going to go into an aroused state. This person is 200 standard deviations outside of normal as they travel from high beta right into gamma. 
last one now. We start to see body is sleeping in theta. The mind is very active and very awake. There's coherence in every single brainwave state from delta all the way to high beta. When we see this, we know the person's going from a slow frequency of theta. Now they're operating from their limbic brain. If they can tune in like a radio receiver and tune into frequency and information, all of a sudden, here we go. There's that theta brainwave state. What's gonna happen next? It's gonna start to build. And next thing you know, they're moving into that high gamma brainwave state and that high gamma brainwave state then begins to cause the area of the pineal gland and Brodmann's area 30 to begin to switch on. And that person moves to 400 standard deviations outside of normal. That's a lot of energy in their brain. So by now, I hope you understand that when the pineal gland becomes activated, it literally begins to transduce powerful frequencies into meaningful imagery. Now, what's the side effect of that? When the person returns back to their senses, we don't see things how they are. We see things how we are. And since experience enriches the brain, and it does, and experience produces an emotion in the body, when the person comes back to their senses, now their brain is wired to perceive what has always existed, but they didn't have the circuits to perceive. And in a sense, our spectrum of reality is broadened. In the next episode, we're gonna discuss heart and brain coherence and why it's so important to have your brain and heart synchronized. When your nervous system is balanced, it sends a very coherent message to all the cells and tissues of your body, and that's called health. I'm your host, Dr. Joe Dispenza for Rewired, and I hope to see you in the next episode where we go beyond the ordinary into the extraordinary.